Today is all about health, but it's not about diets. Health is about all the small choices we make through the day, the habits we hold, and the values that drive them. Today, Meredith of M for Health is here to talk about intuitive health and holistic lifestyle choices. After getting to know Meredith and a great tangent about living car-free, we discuss how important it is to look at our health outside of cultural expectations and social norms to find our individual balance. We touch on friend, family, and work pressures, the benefits and flexibilities of routine, and how it all starts with one small change. Show notes and links to support and sign up for the newsletter are all on balancingcultures.com. But let's go ahead and start the conversation. I'm Megan Kitchen, and this is Balancing Cultures. Welcome, Meredith, to Balancing Cultures. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. But before we kind of dig into our topic of the day, which is balancing our health, and that's all the factors of health. We're not, this isn't a diet podcast. It's not just about food. Let's know kind of who you are so listeners know a little bit, not just about your professional background. I mean, yeah, you can throw that in. But we want to know who you are. So who's Meredith? It's so funny. I love this question, whether in meeting new people or, you know, joining groups and that kind of thing. It's like, what do you, you know, what, how do I describe me, right? Yeah. So um, sometimes I talk about things I like to do or things I spend time doing because I feel like that's kind of a good indicator. So um, I'm a dancer. Um, I love to move. I'm a vocalist and a musician. So I play the piano and the guitar. Nice. A little, you know, of each when I have time. So music is really important to me. And um, I love the outdoors. So I spend a lot of time in the sun. I happen to live in uh, Tucson, Arizona in the U.S. So it's really sunny and I love that. And there's a lot of great outdoors to just explore there. Yes, hiking and mountains. And um, even, you know, within a drive, if we uh, rent a car on occasion within a couple of hours, you can get snow, you can get green, you can get brown. It's like everything at our disposal, which is really nice. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a piece of me as well. Gosh, I'm a mom. So I spend (laughs) a lot of time with my kiddo. And I... I get really excited about different things related to um, different cultures, honestly, and I am a part of different organizations that support things I believe in. So, for example, I'm on the board of our local food co-op, which is really cool, and, you know, volunteering for things like that or events and getting to know other people in the community here locally is a lot of fun for me, so that's something that's a piece of who I am. Then there are some lifestyle choices that we've made that I feel like also sort of define me. Uh, So we're car-free as a family. And so I do a lot of walking and I also ride my bike. So we'll get back to some more things to get to know you. But I want to stop on this point really quick because I think for people who, those who live in the States and also those who kind of know the States from afar, I think the assumption is that it is car dependent. Unless you live in New York, Honestly, I think that's the only place I can think of where it's like most people watch the movies and go, okay, not everyone has a car in New York. It feels like everywhere else is car dependent. So how do you do that? 
That's a great question um, because we've actually lived several different places in the States and it's been different everywhere. But since we decided that this was a really important part of our lifestyle, we've made the intentional decision to figure it out and to try to focus on places that we felt had at least a little bit of support for it. So it definitely depends on where you are. And I can say that we have moved... 13 times in seven years. Um, And not all of those were to brand new cities. Sometimes it was within the city, but at at least, you know, six or seven new places where we had to just start over and figure out how to be car free. I would say one of the biggest things that we've learned is finding a central location and central being really to, to what you do as a person, right? So we had our short list of important things. We love libraries. We love parks. Uh, we want the small local markets or places to get food where, you know, it's not a huge store. and We can talk to the people that either grew the stuff or know the people who grew the stuff, that kind of thing. So really centering around those activities. All of us actually in our family are musicians and performing artists. So we like to have access to those. Are there places that, uh, you know, have shows or, you know, that kind of thing? So we start from that place and and look when we were, you know, looking to move somewhere, where would the the center be for all of that? And are there things like bike paths? Are there sidewalks? You know, how easy is it to get to these places? Are there, you know, only really busy streets with no places to be on the side? And maybe that's not the best choice, right? So it can be done. And I've met a handful of people over the years in different parts of the U.S. that are also doing it. So we're definitely not the only ones. Um, We're we're certainly a small percentage (laughs) for sure. And I think it's actually growing in popularity. I have heard more and more people that I talk to instead of saying, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) I I get more of the, oh, that's really cool. You know, like, I wonder what would that be like? And I wonder if we could do that. You know, I've heard people say, well, you probably have to be in a place where it's always nice all the time. It's never rainy or, you know, snowy. And I'm like, actually, we did this in the Midwest in the United States where in the winter it snows and ices and roads close. And we have some really interesting and fun memories of just being really bundled up. They're fun now, right? They're fun now. (laughs) Exactly. In retrospect, you're like, wasn't that great? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So there's, you know, clothes and accessories and things you can do to build your life around it. It can totally happen. Um, And some cities are better than others with public transportation. That's also an option for folks who feel like they maybe don't have the mobility to be on a bike all the time or on their feet all the time. So there's that. There's there are car shares, which is actually what kind of threw us over because my husband wanted to do it for years. And I kept saying, I don't think we can do this. I don't know. I'm nervous. But it was when the car share came to our city at the time. And I went, oh, we could just rent a car for a couple of hours. That's cool. We, you know, okay, we'll we'll try it. (laughs) So those are options places as well. Living in Europe, being car free is not unusual. And I live in a major city. I live in Munich, Germany. And we were car free until my son was born. So I was here from 2008 until when was he born? 2016. So for eight years, I didn't have a car. And it was bike or public transit or walking because I was also an intern. So it was mostly walking. (laughs) (laughs) Got to save that money, you know. But I would go back to the States to visit my family. And it's not that I didn't want to walk there. It's I couldn't. There were no sidewalks in some places. 
My mom lived down in Florida for a couple years. We went to visit her. She lived a mile and a half from the beach. You could not walk to the beach. I believe it. Because one, there were no sidewalks. And then there was a major road that you had to cross that had no crosswalk. Yes. And I found it absurd that we had to get in a car to go be with nature a mile and a half away. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah, it's so interesting to hear that you have kind of challenged the norm in this way and that you are making it work in different climates and different environments. But to challenge the norm, we do have to be intentional and know the values that we're trying to uphold. We have to like have clarity on that. Yes. And really know what we want first. Yes. Yes. And I think you you also have to know your limits, right? Because we actually moved to Florida. We lived in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida for a year. And when we moved there, um, we thought we had sort of everything planned out and figured out. And there was a there was a measure on the ballot for a vote that fall to improve the public transportation system. And we thought, okay, this is going to be great. Things are going to improve. Everyone we talked to in our research was really positive about it. Well, we moved there in advance of the vote happening and it didn't pass. And what happened was it was a sort of a countywide thing. We just talked to people in the city, but the county was really big and it included other cities with lots of car dependent folks, right? Mm. So the, the area we picked was, was super open and excited about expanding the options for car-free folks. And it wasn't just up to them, right? So yeah. we found ourselves biking to the beach on a road that for just a wee bit didn't really have a bike lane. Yeah. So it was very much that, that situation. And honestly, after a year, that was one of the main reasons we left was that we had envisioned having that support and we thought we could make it work. Right. And you can only do so much. So at some point we thought, "Mm, this isn't comfortable. I don't think long-term it's going to work. You know, as our kiddo grows and wants to be on the road, you know, Mm. alone, it's, yeah, this, this isn't going to work for us. So yeah, it's that it's like also giving yourself permission to try it, you know, this, this could really work. And then if it doesn't, let's try something else. You know, we didn't want to give up being car free. That was the important part. So we were willing to give up the city that we had wanted to try, right. And try somewhere else. Yeah. Ooh. I Yeah, I get it. I, I know both sides of it. We also have the car sharing here. And then we ended up getting a car because of my commute. But I did. In my car free time pre-baby, I would cycle 25 kilometers to and from work because yeah. I worked in a different city and we made it work. And when I when it was too stormy or rainy, because we get kind of Midwestern weather here. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just took the train, you know. Nice. And I I liked being car free for a long time. And I think I could do it again, but little babies sometimes. Yes. Yes. And that's another big question we would get is, wait, uh, I'd love to do that, but I can't do it because I have kids. And, you know, admittedly, we started without a baby, right? So there's certainly that. And we've met families with multiple kids, small kids. I've seen all kinds of apparatus, you know, that yeah, the bike we had trailers never the and seats. The, and exactly. Yeah. The, we do have a cargo bike now, which is really cool because we can actually all fit on that. My husband will carry the two wow. of us plus the groceries under our legs. So we can make that work. So yeah, there I've seen, you know, people make it work with all kinds of different things. We didn't uh, ever have to try. Yeah. And I actually traveled to Europe years, years ago. Actually, it's been, wow, over 20 years now, I think. It was very cool because I was there for two months. And so um, I had been a car person before then. And for two months without a car, 
um, was amazing. And yeah, so the public transportation and just the walking, I did a little bit of cycling, um, but it was like a rented bike and may have fallen over at some point in Denmark. But anyway, um, <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so love the the infrastructure there for sure. Very supportive. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get back to kind of who is Meredith. So we got to know you as a person, kind of your likes, dislikes, passions a little bit. We went off on a really great tangent (laughs) (laughs) about being car free, which explains not just one kind of value that you hold as a family, but it also explains a lot about you as a person. But I want to know a little bit more about you kind of professionally and then this direction you've taken to help others with what you're doing professionally. Okay. So I'm trying to say the question without giving away all the the good bits. So go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So uh, I am a health coach and educator. um, And I say both of those together because I feel like both pieces are important. I feel like a lot of times people appreciate and enjoy knowledge and learning. And then it's what we do with that, right? So my interest from this came with experiences with different family members as well as myself and seeing really the difference between some of the choices that we make and how we feel because of those, which seems really simple, except when we're living in the day to day and we have all these different choices, it can be a little more complex than than just cut and dry, right? So um, particularly with my parents, um, just seeing how they lived life differently, you know, growing up and then even becoming an adult and seeing the different choices they made um, with, you know, getting out into the world, interacting with other people, their attitude about things, like what happened to them. Because my mom and dad both reacted very differently. Um, and I feel like my mom carried a higher stress level about things. And especially when things were out of control, you know, which as we just discussed, they are lots of times, right? We just don't know what's going to be thrown at us. Yeah. My dad was super positive and he just kind of took things as they came and and just said, okay, well, we'll figure it out. Um, And then just day-to-day movement. My dad also enjoyed being outside and his daily walk. Um, Nothing too complicated, but just always making sure he was doing something to move his body. And my mom was pretty sedentary. She just had some health issues with uh, legs and that kind of thing. And so she thought, well, there's not a lot I can do. So I just don't even want to try, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, just watching that and and noticing that over time, you know, my mom didn't feel well often. So besides just having sort of like um, colds or upper respiratory infections and things like that, as things went on, she struggled with um, more serious things like diabetes and heart issues Um, needing surgeries, that kind of thing. And my dad just continued to be really healthy pretty much consistently. You know, things would happen here and there, but he'd rebound from the flu or, um, you know, like a minor injury, that kind of thing. So, And were they, they were together in in the same household? they lived together in the same household this entire time. So, you know, very much had similar routines together and that kind of thing. But these subtle changes, so the way they perceived things and processed things, their attitude towards things, the sitting versus going for small walks or working out in the garden or doing something, these small changes you noticed changed how then their bodies responded to sickness and and other long-term health benefits or long-term health deficits. Yes, 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so um, I really started to pay more attention as I became an adult and noticing what my mom would consider her limitations um, versus my dad sort of always being feeling great when I talked to him, you know, yeah. and he, um, he did lots of things during the day and, um, you know, worked a job that required travel. So he was in the car a lot, but he still, you know, seemed to, to try to cut off his day at a certain time. And especially as he got older, he felt like, you know, well, I don't want to work all day, every day, like I did when you were younger, you know, type of thing he would say to me. And he also wanted to be involved as a grandparent. Mm. So yeah, it just, it was really eye-opening to me. And um, I had other experiences with other family members where I would see similar things. It's, you know, you could really just see people's lifestyles. um, And if they would make changes, you know, not just, so not just my mom and dad seeing them side by side, right. But seeing situations where, you know, folks were doing this thing and then they moved to, I'm going to try, just make a couple of small tweaks here. And it was amazing to see really the difference. So I felt like I was seeing this enough that it wasn't a coincidence. Of course, we, we all have things that we're born with and yeah. people say, well, you know, there are some things you just can't change. That's totally true. And we are at choice for so many things. Why not you know, play around with some things that might help us be happier and feel better because most of the time we certainly have nothing to lose. So that's what I found folks who are willing to make those changes. It's like, well, I figured why not? Let's try it. Right. And wow, lo and behold, um, all kinds of things clear up for them. They're happier in life and, and they go forward and it's worth it. So that's really what got me into, um, wanting to support other people. Um, so health was always an interest for myself personally, and I dabble in things, and especially becoming a mom, that mm-hmm. was something that that really broadened my my awareness, right? Because I, I was always interested in things that would affect me, but then it's like, oh, you've got this additional person here. A lot of things come to light when you're a parent. Yeah, exactly. So that that was definitely sort of another, uh, I would say, catalyst in moving me into this direction. Yeah. Um, and so I initially became certified as a health coach, sort of just for fun, because yeah. it sounded really cool. And I thought, well, I think I'm going to benefit from that. And, um, yeah. you know, n- didn't necessarily know what was going to happen beyond then. But I had actually gotten a bachelor's degree in applied health science and had moved in a different direction, um, gotten a master's in something unrelated. And and so I was kind of coming back to that thinking, you know, I've kind of always been interested in this. And I had focused on human development and family studies, particularly when I was doing my bachelor's degree. So, you know, becoming a mom then sort of brought me back to that. Oh, okay. Well, we're looking at this human development and family studies thing again, only just myself, <laughs> our, yeah. our immediate family. So, um, so all of that, you know, really brought me back into extensive study and research and becoming certified. And um, I, I was kind of already doing it informally because people who would know me would say, oh, yeah, ask Meredith because she, you know, she's really into this stuff, right? Like we all have one of those friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have one of those friends too. She's the one where it's like you mention, oh, you know, I've had this so-and-so or my kid. My kid seems to have this rash every time they eat tomato. And she's like, here's three, three research papers. Here's a podcast to listen to, right? She's the one that knows everything everything, especially nutrition and health related, even homeopathy and mindset and all these things. So you were that friend. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, if you don't have a friend like that, Meredith is free. She's available. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm hearing is, 
kind of all through your childhood and then you become a mom and through your bachelor, even your degree and your studying, you had this kind of like underlying passion through observation that you're like, I see something's happening here. This is interesting to me. Maybe I want to do something more with this. And then you say you got certified for fun. Mm-hmm. But I think there was part of you that knew it was more than just fun. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, right? Like there's always that that intuition or that yeah, yeah. that feeling that we But do. I also feel sometimes we say, Oh, I'm gonna do this for fun in case it doesn't go well or mm. in case it doesn't pan out to be a, a full time professional thing. Yeah. We're like, Oh, it was just for fun. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, you're absolutely you know, right. You kind of give yourself an out in a way. Yes, that's self-preservation. <laughs> it is. It's self-preservation. But I'm so glad that you pushed through because it looks like you're doing some really great things now that you've really dedicated yourself to this field. I was perusing your website. <laughs> right on the front page, you say, getting healthy doesn't have to mean a dramatic overhaul. And one great selling point. I mean, that gets me. But I want to know why you chose that as kind of one of your first lines to show people. Why are you highlighting this idea of it doesn't need to be a dramatic overhaul? Yes. So when people did find out that I was working with health education and health coaching, it was interesting because I had a number of people have a a certain reaction to that. Um, There'd be people, if we were just in sort of a a casual setting and people were eating something, they'd immediately go, oh, you probably never eat this. Fill in the blank for whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, oh, I only do this on weekends. Yeah. It was like, don't judge me. Yes, exactly. An immediate response as to, oh, you know, I'm that health must mean this thing. I must be the certain kind of person, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's like, and as I would have further conversations with people, even about our lifestyle or different, you know, pieces and values we'd have, they'd say things like, oh, I'd like to do that, but I could never do that. That would be too hard. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's um, the movement piece, right? Or like, oh, you you walk every day. I'd love to do that. But I, I just, I couldn't do it. That's I don't have the time. Yes. Right? I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I just, where would I find it? all of these different things? Um, technology is another big one. I talk about technology as it relates to health. And I don't have a phone and I haven't had a phone for over five years and people would say that sounds so cool but I could never do that because I do you know so it it feels I think so many things related to our health and wellness feel can feel really overwhelming and people think they have to do this long list of things Mm -hmm. all at once and give it all up it's it's everything about like cut everything give everything up it's all sacrifice yeah deprivation and deprivation yeah yeah and and that's it's so not true. It doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, working with people repeatedly and realizing this was a theme, I thought, if there's one thing I want people to know, it's just that it doesn't have to be that way. It, we don't have to give things up. To me, it's more about the addition of things. It's feeling more free. And that that freedom leads to happiness and healthiness, right? And so just knowing that it can be easy, like allowing it to be really fun and easy and simple and not this this big overwhelming thing yeah so just because meredith gave up her car and her phone doesn't mean we have to to be healthy exactly exactly those are things i chose yeah we don't have to strip ourselves down to lemon juice and maple syrup right (laughs) 
Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Water. That's broccoli. it. We're doing yeah, a cleanse no. here. No, this yeah. is not about a cleanse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, good. Because I think I think that idea of health, a lot of people associate deprivation or limitation yes. or dramatic, like you wrote, dramatic overhaul. It's all or nothing. Either I'm going to be super healthy, go to yoga every single day, become a vegan, go to an ashram, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Or I just stay the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I do think part of that, I think most of that is cultural. I think we have a lot of pressure, whether it be consumerism or the diets that were raised around that influence what we think is normal. And then once we establish what normal is, anything outside of that is difficult. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's that's so tough too, right? Because it's the normal piece, right? Like, wait, what what even is that, right? Because every human body is different. <laughs> so yeah. there can't possibly be some sort of constant, consistent um, plan for every single person that works. That's just... Yeah. Yeah. So then what does it mean? Let's say someone says, okay, Meredith, <laughs> let's do this. I'll tippy toe into your world of change. How do you help someone or how does someone identify what is good for them? Because like you're saying, it's not a cookie cutter solution where everyone goes on the same diet and has the same fitness plan and has the same screen time limitations. Right. How do we start to seek out what is good for us and how do we kind of break away from what maybe the cultural norm would be? Right. So part of it is being able to um, find community or at least one person or surround yourself with someone that, that is going to sort of accept, like you're on this journey, right? So sometimes we're hanging out with groups of people that are super focused on this one thing and that's making us think that we have to do that. So stepping mm -hmm. away from um, sort of the, the media and the images and the ideas that we're constantly bombarded with and really thinking about, okay, how do I feel right now, right? Because maybe I have some of these things dialed in and they're working great and I don't need to make any changes. So, you know, when I talk with people, what's really helpful for them is focusing on what, like, what is the one thing that isn't working well? And let's just look at that instead of all these other pieces of my lifestyle. So, you know, a lot of times people come and it's, it's, it's maybe something related to their sleep, especially when we're talking with parents, right? So <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what that's about, right? So, yeah, I've no, never heard of sleep deprivation. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, you know, maybe let's just look at one thing, right? So, so let's just look at sleep. Let's not talk about movement and food and technology and all these other things that sure they're they all are a part of it but let's just look at one thing at a time and yeah. I, I find that that's super helpful because then people are like oh okay I can just look at this one thing right like yeah. let's just focus on this one area don't worry about everything else and even if people maybe have more than one concern let's just take one at a time right so what is the the one thing that if you could just close your eyes and think to yourself I would feel perfect right now in this moment if just pick this one thing and it's going to come to mind right so if we can set aside those other things the things the other stories that people are telling us and the the media of other people and just really focus on ourselves and that one thing right in that moment let's just look at that and that really helps people realize i can just not worry about a lot of these other things 
and then we just we kind of go from there. So um, within one area, let's say sleep, of course, we could also look at changing five things. And I don't advise that. <laughs> let's talk about whatever area it is. Um, talk about some of the things you like about what's happening, what you don't like about what's happening. And, um, you know, what what are one or maybe a max two things that we can work on together to either learn more about specifically. Um, and that's where the education comes in, right? Sometimes people just don't know where to even start with something. So let's do that piece. And then here are some choices. Let's just pick one or two things to change up or look at for the duration of at least a week, maybe more. So we're not going to try one or two things every day or, you know, that kind of thing, right? Just So just kind of taking that big picture and just working our way in to the point at which we're looking at something very small and manageable, and we're just going to focus on that. Yeah. If we go with this example of sleep, one of the things that I think we could run into, and I think we could say the same for food or technology or getting out and, and movement and all this, is sometimes we come up against the social norm. And let's say someone says, for my personal health, the best thing I can do because I need to get up at this hour to get to work, I actually need to be getting into bed like 9.30 so I'm asleep by 10 o'clock. Yes. But the social norm or the expectation I've set for myself is either kids go to bed and I need that two hours of Netflix time mm-hmm. or it was normal for you know a few days a week we all go out as colleagues for drinks and then I end up not getting to bed before midnight or I you know these type of things or I work in a profession where the expectation is I should also put in hours in the evening and so I can't hit that 9 30 10 o'clock bedtime in order to get the sleep I know I need how how do we deal with coming up against these yeah cultural norms and expectations societal pressures yes yes and they're everywhere and they do make things more difficult you know, what I find is helpful is, you know, deciding, first of all, and this is really for every individual person, you know, deciding what's most important, because we're always going to be asked to do things that come against, come up against our boundaries, right? Yeah. Especially from other folks um, who, yeah, had this expectation of what this culture does. This is what we do. This is how it works, Right. I feel like part of tapping into, you know, our own intuition is sometimes deciding when we are going to do something different than the rest of our culture or our society. And it'll constantly happen because if we're going to be true to standing into who we are, right, and our purpose and why we're here, these these challenges are going to come up all the time. So there are a couple of things that I think are helpful. And one, I, I mention this all the time, but is finding support and community and other like-minded folks, whether it's within your family or within friends or even within, you know, within a work group, there are generally other people feeling a certain way and maybe just not speaking up about it, right? Mm. So I've been in situations where For example, I was on a board and um, there were these events that were happening super late. And I just said, you know what? My bedtime, because it is, my bedtime is nine because I'm an early riser. I'm going to rise with the sun, whether I want to or not. (laughs) Just like my son. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally natural and sometimes, yeah, (laughs) inconvenient, right? Yeah. So um, especially for others in your household. Yeah. You know, knowing that I said, is there any way we can just move this up an hour? 
And it was interesting because we had the discussion, the whole group of people, other people weighed in. And later on, I had two individual members of that group reach out to me and say, thank you for saying that. I wanted to say that for years. And I just didn't, right? Like I was yeah. afraid to, I didn't want to make waves. So it's interesting because on the one hand, we have this, this expectation that oh, this is just part of the culture. This is the expectation, you know, in order to be a part of this group, I have to fit in. And it's just interesting that sometimes when we speak up, we find out that maybe there are others for whom that's not serving. Maybe there are others who wish that things were different. So speaking up and having the courage to do that and standing up for our boundaries and standing up for what we believe in can actually sometimes benefit other people in addition to ourselves. And sometimes it can turn out that people are willing to look at things a different way. And, you know, there are instances like social functions, that kind of thing, you know, I've just decided that I'm I'm going to be an earlier person. And so, yeah, I may miss out on some of these activities, some of these things, or I may make the choice to not take a job or take an assignment or do a work on a project that involves that because I know that over time, it's not going to be worth it. The trade-off of mm-hmm. being a part of that is going to make me sick and it's going to, to make me, you know, not feel well. You know, I think everyone has to, to find that, those boundaries for themselves. And sometimes you don't know what they are until you run up against them. Until you're like run into the ground yes. and you're laying there going, that didn't go well. Exactly. <laughs> I think I need to reevaluate my boundaries. A yes. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you try it and you think, okay, this is, it's fine. I'm going to squeeze in a nap here. It's going to, you know, like it's worth it for me to spend this, these two hours on Netflix because I really want to see this show. Right. But, yeah. and then at some point you realize, you know, maybe I could watch that during nap time or, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, there, there, you, you just have to figure that out. Right. And, and if there's something that you, you feel strongly enough about um, and you have that help and support, right. Uh, to bounce those ideas off, you find those other ways and you find a way to, to sort of work within the, the structure that you've been given in terms of your culture and still make things work. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of other examples of things where you can find a support group, even if it's against kind of the cultural norm. There are these little pockets, and especially with parenting, you know, there's the people who breastfeed longer or the baby wearers, people who wear their babies a lot. Yes, You've got the sleep trainers. You've got baby-led weaning, where you let the kids eat real food and choke a little bit at the start, you know, and there's all these different directions. And for each of these little pockets, there's going to be people who think you're doing the wrong thing, but there's going to be people who think you're doing the right thing. And you got to find your people. Yes. Yes. And, And the same thing with diet, you know, there's all different diets that you can do, and it's not a one size fits all. But if you really want to go vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, keto, whatever, you got to find your group, whether it be a Facebook group or a local group that supports that type of eating so that you don't feel alone and like you're not doing the right thing. Because we all want to feel like we're doing the right thing for ourselves, but we all depend a little bit on social approval. Yes, exactly. And that's that's the community place piece, right? So finding that community, like you said, be it online or in person, 
that is such a huge piece. And it's honestly, again, it goes, that goes back to health because that's part of health too. So even if that's not the thing you were focusing on, it, it comes into play. You know, we, we weren't meant to be alone and isolated without support. So no matter what we're focusing on, um, part of, of keeping our immune system strong and, and keeping that positive attitude is having that support. So just finding all it takes is a one or two other people, and you could find a huge group too, right, to support you in that so that you know you're not alone. You're not the only one trying to do this. You're reminded of your reasons, and you can even get ideas from those folks, right? Yeah. So lactose intolerance example, right? <laughs> like finding other people, oh, you too. Oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, there can be like that person that you can go to to lunch with or whatever, who's not going to question your choices and, or you, you go to the same place because you know that they have things you can eat. Right. And you're like, Oh, I love that place too. So it is, it's important. And you can find those groups for every facet of health and wellness to help support you in that. And that makes all the difference. I think once we've identified what is best for us as individuals, there is that challenge that we don't live in the vacuum. We still have the friends and family who may not understand and support us. Maybe we found these social groups that, you know, we feel, okay, I'm making the right choices. We feel confident in those choices, but we still have to balance. How do we do that? Yes. So, you know, it's different for every situation and it also depends on the people and the places. So for example, family is a big one. Yes. And I get these questions all the time because while there are people outside your family that maybe you can choose to spend less time with or go to certain places with and not others, um, it can be more challenging with family, right? Grandparents, for example. Maybe you have kids that have, uh, you know, certain allergies or um, there are sensitivities, things that they do or don't want to do. And, and you know that it's good for them and their health and their energy levels, that kind of thing. Um, if they sort of have these routines and then along come these family members and maybe you want to take a vacation with them or they want to watch the kids and you're not there. And, you know, so all these things sort of creep in, right? And like, how do you maintain those boundaries? And how do you feel like you're still taking care of the kids? And so, you know, conversation is really important. I always tell people, you know, don't keep it a secret. And a lot of times people are nervous about talking about uh, their values, whether it be health related or, um, you know, societal, that sort of thing. But the more people know, a lot of times the more willing they are to help work with you. And you know, I think sometimes we run into situations where we want the other people to read our minds about, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. But <laughs> right. Maybe so, a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we and then later it's like we have a conversation with that person. They say, oh, well, if you would have just told me that, mm -hmm. you know, this is what like they they can't have dairy or whatever, you know, this makes them sick or. Uh, you know, will you prefer if they, they do this rest time or whatever it is? Um, sometimes we just don't communicate it. So I find that that's a, that's a helpful first step, right? And hey, let's just be out there and honest with it. I'm trying to balance all of these different cultures here, right? I've got this value and I know you all do this. Here's your tradition. Um, yeah. Holidays is a big one, right? I was about to say holidays. We come across up all kinds of things, right? I remember the first Christmas I spent with my in-laws. They weren't even my in-laws then. And I was in Finland. And across the Christmas table, just at my place setting, were four glasses. Because you get a water glass, 
but you get a wine glass, you get a potential, you know, other flavored drink glass, mm-hmm. and you have a schnapps glass. Oh. <laughs> for your aquavit, for your like vodka. Oh. And you, it's multiple beverages. And I was raised, my mom was a little bit hippy dippy, so she was out of the norm. We did not have juice. We did not have soda. We did not have milk. We were raised on water, you know? <laughs> And so that's how I've grown up. And even though I had some really fun college years, I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. And I'm not a juice drinker or a soda drinker. And so I sat there going, okay, these are people I want to impress. Mm. I am dating their son. I want to, I don't want to offend them. Mm-hmm. But I had to find a way to say, I cannot drink five <laughs> beverages <laughs> because I will be on the floor. <laughs> And I feel like that balancing did not end there. Even as we know each other and we go to visit grandparents, I go to my mother's house. I have learned to communicate better up front as our kids have gone into solids and foods and all these things. And with my husband and I, as we've changed our diets, we are trying to do less meat nowadays and more veggies. And I just, yeah, the communication is key. If I let them know ahead of time, we are trying to do a lot of vegetable exposure. And my kids don't eat, quote unquote, kid food. Mm-hmm. Same here. <laughs> we don't cook two meals. The kids eat what we eat. Yep. Things like that. I find it so much easier when we get to the grandparent house or when we get to the holiday meal that they don't then expect me to do something. And I don't expect them to do something yes. outside of those values. Yes. That was a long explanation. I will edit that down. That's No, that's (laughs) great, though. That's such a great story because that's so common, right? That happens so frequently. Honestly, it's I think it's the rare occasion where people just like slide into someone else's homes or tradition or expectations, not being with them on a day to day basis and everything goes seamlessly. It just yeah. it doesn't. Things like that happen all the time. I mean, so, how many of us leave the the winter holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate with some type of stomach ache, mm-hmm. either because we're eating very different food, we're drinking too much, we're eating all the sugary treats. We have high stress. Yes, because it's tense situations. We are locked inside. We're not going for a lot of walks typically right. during holiday season. We're sitting. Right. And sitting maybe and sleep eating. deprivation because all the activities and our schedules are off, right? Oh, and yeah, so yeah. Or you're visiting relatives and so three of you are crammed in one room. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that experience of the, the holidays really shows how much all these different aspects of health, how important they are. Yes. And how important it is to have those boundaries. Can you imagine leaving a holiday vacation trip or a visit to relatives without a stomach ache? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And feeling like refreshed, right? Instead of drained, like, oh, I need to recover from what just happened, right? Like, I remember there was a commercial in the States, like in the 90s, that said, do you need a vacation from your vacation? And I think it was like an advert for Holiday Inn or something or Best Western. But it showed people spending the holidays at families' houses and like growing up sleeping in bunk beds. So they're, you know, they, they're not getting the right sleep or they're getting kicked in the head by someone. Yeah. But yeah. it's so true. You get back from vacation sometimes, you're out of your routines, you're eating unusual things, and boom, you're worn down. Exactly. And sick. And a lot of times people get sick, right? Like, 
people will get sick after their vacations. And that's funny that you mentioned that commercial because I remember that. And I I see it happening all times of year now, honestly, because people will do, they'll take these trips and they sound like a great idea. And they are from, from one aspect, right? And I think it's that it's our losing our our values piece again, right? And and forgetting about those boundaries because we go these different places. And even if it's just our own families, um, because like you said, we're out of our routines, we're thinking, oh, it'll be fine. We'll just sleep all cramped up or, you know, we're going tent camping in uh, this rock area. Oh, it's good enough. I don't have a mattress. But, you know, so it's all these different things. So even if it's just us and we're thinking, oh, well, we'll pack our food, it's, it's still, right? Like there's still so many different things and there's this cool meteor shower and we want to stay up late and so we can still get to all that even if it doesn't like it's not affected by other people right so challenging you know having that challenge of being out of our element and then just kind of losing all sense of these things that we knew helped make us feel good it does it happens in in all those situations so it's like how do we balance that like okay we're going somewhere totally different with a a different plan and schedule we want to do those things and how do we make sure we we don't feel like we just suffered when we got home because now we're we're yeah we all we're all sick and grouchy and whatever right so but this isn't to say we don't want to end this with meredith saying you can never do anything outside of your routine ever again right right We can still go to a wedding and party all night long if we want to. We can still stay up late for a meteor shower. We can still eat delicious cake on our birthdays. Yes. And we can still sit and binge watch a next Netflix series for a whole day if we are just feeling down and it's rainy and gross outside. Totally. We can still have those things. Yes. Yes. And that's that's where the balancing comes in, right? Because once we know what makes us feel good, once we are aware of that, we can get back to that. And that's the great thing. So, uh, you know, we can always go down different paths and try different things um, for however long we want to. And the great thing about our knowing and, you know, our having that intuition led feeling is, Oh, if I start to feel bad, if I, you know, if I am feeling like, oh, I don't know, if this, I can get back to that place where I know I'm doing the things that help me feel good. And it's much easier when we have it dialed in and we realize, oh, right, it's not this overwhelming thing. It's these little pieces here. So yeah. we can easily get back to that anytime we want to. And that's really where the balancing piece comes in. It's about listening to ourselves. Yes. I think that's hard for a lot of people. Yes. So we can go against social norms. We can knock down some boundaries and set up new boundaries. And we can establish what values work best for us, but only if we're willing to listen to ourselves and our bodies. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what Meredith does. (laughs) That's what you do. (laughs) Da, 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 da. Uh, So Meredith, any closing thoughts about balancing and health and cultures and anything or something you, what do you hope listeners take away from this conversation is another thing I could say. You know, I think what comes to mind to me is, is having fun. Just have fun with it because it can be right. It's, 
it's it can be so much fun to consider all of the choices and the options that we do have that we are at choice how fortunate we are and that nothing's ever set in stone if something's working and then it isn't working anymore then you can do something different and it can be a lot of fun you can meet new people and try new things and the whole experience can really just be um i think just exciting and 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 embracing that right and looking at it as this is going to be so much fun you know this experience whatever it is that's what i i guess i would want folks to take away and that's what i hope that people people get so really listening to your intuition becoming aware of what you need and want and what makes you happy can be fun so enjoying it yeah A big thank you to Meredith for sharing her story and encouraging us to seek out health on an individual basis. But the episode doesn't end there because after I stopped recording, we just kept chatting, and I need to share this cultural fun fact with you. When Meredith was looking into her Mayan roots, she found that intuitive health and holistic lifestyle choices were a part of their normal. The Mayan culture believed in listening to your own body and making individual choices for your individual balance. Nowadays, intuition might be trending, but we're still encouraged to fit ourselves into these socially acceptable boxes, and they don't include all the ways to be. So I encourage you to follow Meredith's advice and make choices for yourself, and then connect with people who have similar values and support your lifestyle. For show notes of this episode, go to balancingcultures.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, consider leaving a review on your favorite platform. Thank you for listening. This was Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchen. Megan Kitchen.